0: We are taking a journey on a saint's life from the rapture on to be reminded that Jesus is coming. And He's coming soon, praise the Lord. And He's coming with reward, praise the Lord. And so it's a reminder to live, uh, to be ready. It's a reminder to live on purpose. We make a decision for Christ so that we can secure uh, our destination, which is heaven, and then every that day thereafter, we live to fulfill our destiny, which is the plan of God and the will of God, uh, bringing great reward for our eternity. Hallelujah! And so, uh, on the timeline here, you can sit on the back wall. We are looking at the time period uh, right now, where it's after the church age. Uh, It's before the millennium, and so it's the seven-year period where the tribulation is going on in the earth, and the saints are in heaven. And so last week we began to look at some of the events or some of the things that are going on that we can glean from the Scriptures uh, about what's happening in those seven years. Now remember, uh, the time frame of these are not specific, means uh, there's not really an an order to these. But I want to just make a real quick recap uh, of what we learned, the six things that we talked about last week, and then we're going to finish up number six tonight, go on to a couple others, and then move forward. Uh, but one, once we're in heaven at some point, uh, there will be a presentation before God of every saint by Jesus. Hallelujah. We get to see God face to face. Hallelujah. Woo! It will be exciting. And the saints will be declared as Preserved blameless and perfected uh, in God or perfected to God while we're in heaven. There will be a settlement uh, in the heavenly city in heaven and, of course, in our mansions. Then we saw last week that there are some things about uh, the routine uh, of just life, things that go on as we're living there. Uh, We know, of course, that there will be uh, worship, there will be individual worship, but times of corporate worship. Hallelujah. And then last week we began talking about the judgment of the saints. Or, what's called in the Bible, the judgment seat of Christ. And so, let me read you a couple of those scriptures. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Turn with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Just reminding you here what's going to happen, and remember that we're talking about the works or the deeds of uh, will be tried of the believers as a servant of God. First Corinthians chapter three verse eleven says, "For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ." And now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. But if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as though through fire. Praise the Lord. And so we saw last week, we talked about uh, who the subjects are of this uh, particular judgment the time frame of it the place of it of course again that the basis of the judgment is that we're rewarded or we lose uh, according to the works that we've done both good and bad and then the result of course is that we're rewarded or lost but praise the Lord never the loss of the soul or never the loss of salvation so we're happy about that praise the Lord so let's continue on just a couple things that we see uh, still in the judgment seat of Christ talking about the rewards uh, we've already mentioned a couple of times that That it appears that there are different garments. I think that the goal of every uh, believer once we're in heaven um, is to eventually get to the white robe of righteousness, which seems to be the ultimate robe that there is. But we mentioned that there seem to be also garments of salvation for those that come in and maybe did not walk very closely or as closely in the earth as they needed to. And so there is a distinction between that. Uh, uh, But tonight I want to talk primarily about the Crowns. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. There are some crowns that are given as a reward. Hallelujah. Jesus has them. So let's turn and look at that over in uh, Revelation chapter 19, verse 12. Let's just establish that Jesus has some crowns, it actually says in the plural here. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on His head were many crowns, glory to God. And He had a name written that no one knew except Himself, Hallelujah! And this, of course, if you look back to the scriptures prior, this is talking about when Jesus does return to the earth in the second advent or the second coming that He has many crowns on His head. You know, and of course, we don't know exactly how that works. Is when we think of a head, you know, and how does how does many crowns sit upon a head? Praise the Lord. But the Jesus is going to have many crowns, all the crowns, because He is the King of kings and He is the Lord of lords and it will be seen by all. Hallelujah. Then turn with me over to Revelation 4.4. 4. <clears throat> Uh, don't forget all the scriptures tomorrow will appear on the church app. Uh, so if you miss one or so, just look up real quick and watch it on the screen and you can catch that later. But Revelation 4:4 uh, talking about the, tw- the 24 elders that are seated around the throne. And it says, Around the throne were 24 thrones. And on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes. And they had crowns of gold upon their head. Hallelujah. So we see that the twenty-four elders around the throne had crowns, uh, crowns, and then also let's look over to Revelation chapter three, uh, verse eleven. This is Jesus speaking here, and he's speaking to the believers, and he said, "Behold, I am coming quickly." Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. Hallelujah. So it's Jesus' intent that we all get a crown, have several crowns. And we're going to talk about the crowns here tonight. We do, of course, know that a crown would reflect Honor, it would reflect uh, the power of God. And we even see in Revelation 4 where there are times when we're worshiping the Lord, where we cast our crowns uh, before Him, uh, denoting, of course, again that He is the Lord of all and the one that is over us. In the Bible, it doesn't describe much about what the crowns look like. So we can use our imagination for that until we get there. But I just know that, this, that they're going to be glorious. They're going to be just beyond description beautiful. We can tell from Zechariah chapter 9, verse 16, that we know that they'll have jewels somehow in the crown. So don't worry if you don't get all the jewels here in the earth that you want. Um, you're, you can aim for them in heaven. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So let's look at the five different crowns uh, that we can tell from the scriptures there are. So turn with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. You know, and as we go through this, we're, we're looking at these and seeing uh, what they pertain to and how we might, you know, if we fall into the category uh, whereby we'd be thinking that we can earn a crown. Hallelujah. So the first crown that we see from 1 Corinthians chapter 9 is the imperishable crown, or some people I've heard it called the incorruptible crown. And it's given for faithfully running the race for the Messiah. It also notes uh, about being temperate or moderate and disciplined in all things. And so let's go ahead and read that. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. It says, Do you not know that those who run in a race... All run, but one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Now what that's talking about there doesn't mean that not all of us can receive the prize. It means that no matter what in life, you have an individual race and you're to run that race as if you are to be the winner. You're to do it to the utmost, giving it everything that you've got. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate. That means disciplined in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we do it for an imperishable crown. And therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, Paul speaking. Thus I fight not as one who beats the air, meaning for nothing, but I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. Least when I have preached to others, I myself should become disquieted qualified. Now this crown that we see here, uh, which is the imperishable crown, is probably the crown uh, that Jesus was talking about in Revelation chapter 3 verse 11 when he was saying that you have a crown. This seems to be the most basic crown, the crown that we get for running our race, completing our course, enduring to the end, and staying with God. Hallelujah. So just noting here that talking about being temperate or being disciplined means, of course, being a disciple of Christ, following His commands, His principles, His way, His leading. Uh, He has set before us a race and He tells us to run to win. And so when I read this, I'm always reminded that God is a winner. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And because God is a winner and we are in him, that we are a winner also. Praise God. We are triumphant. We are victorious. Come on. We are an overcomer. Hallelujah. Come on. We are more than a conqueror. And this is how we need to see ourselves in this earth. Not just waiting for one day, but remember, the most dominant image in your heart is the way that your life goes. And so we need to see ourselves as winning in life. And we already know that Romans chapter 5 verse 17 says that we will reign now. Come on. In this life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so we're not just waiting on heaven, but in heaven we know it's all going to be perfect, praise the Lord, uh, when we come back and rule with the Lord together. But right now we can reign in this life. Hallelujah. Uh, Number two, the second crown we want to talk about here is called the crown of life. Uh, Let's turn over to Revelation chapter 2 verse 10. The crown of life is given to all those who seal their testimony uh, with their blood. So this crown of life could also be called the martyr's crown. Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, but you will have tribulation ten days. But be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so there is something very honorable about the Lord. Um, you know, this is the crown that really nobody wants. Right? This is the crown. I'll, I'll just forego this one. But, but really, this is very honorable to the Lord. Of course, we, we wouldn't pray necessarily to be in this situation, but we all need to prepare ourselves so that at any time, in any situation, for the sake of, of, of the persecution of righteousness is the only way by which we go. But to stand for the Lord and in, in being able to really surrender totally your life is the ultimate sacrifice. And the Lord honors that. If you remember Stephen in the book of Acts, he was the first martyr of the church. And the Bible says that as, as he was looking up into heaven and they were stoning him and he was dying and he was basically asking the Lord to not hold it against them. It says that the Lord Jesus stood up. The Lord Jesus, who is seated at the right hand of God, denoting the place of power, denoting the place of of authority, when Jesus, who decided to stand up enough to where he would lose his life, Jesus, the Lord of all, stood up from off of the throne to receive him into heaven. So this is a very honorable, a very honorable thing before the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, Let's look at the next crown. Let's turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. This is the crown of righteousness. And it is presented to those who fight the good fight, who keep the faith and love His appearing. Hallelujah. And so we at Houston Faith Church, we're endeavoring that every believer here can get the crown that is associated with faith. I love that. There is a faith crown in heaven. Don't let anybody ever tell you that your life of faith is not important and I'm not just talking about general faith and believing the Lord. I'm talking about living a life of faith whereby we're believing God, trusting His Word and causing things with our faith uh, to come to pass. So let's read that. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 5 this is Paul again speaking. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day and not only to me but also to all those who loved His appearing. Hallelujah. And so this is the one that the Lord's talking about those who are uh, living by faith in the earth, waiting for the return of the Lord, uh, waiting for Him to come back, looking ever, ever, you know, enduring and saying this is it. I'm ready. Hallelujah. All right, turn over with me now to First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. And this is called the crown of rejoicing. Let's read that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ? At his coming, Uh, Paul spoke of this and he talked about that the the Thessalonians uh, were his crown in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the Thessalonian church was actually established by Paul. The believers there, he was responsible for them being saved, he was responsible for them growing up in Christ. So this appears to be uh, what many would call the soul winner's crown. Uh, You know, the Lord has given us a command, and it is that we make uh, converts. And so going after souls is part of who we are, it's part of what we do. And I think that there seems to be a, a crown for this. I know that in Brother Kenneth e. Hagen's book, I Believe in Visions, he had several encounters where the Lord actually appeared to him uh, many times and sat with him and talked to him for hours about several things. And one of the crowns that the Lord talked to him about was the soul winner's crown. So this seems to fall in line that the crown of rejoicing would also be called the soul winner's crown. Praise the Lord. So you have to remember everywhere you're at, out there winning, winning souls, you know, you're, you're putting yourself in position to have that crown. And I don't know, you know, I don't know if the crown gets bigger the more people you bring to the Lord or, or just your faithfulness in sharing. It's not about them responding. It's not about them responding. That's between them and the Lord. It's about you sharing. And so the more you share, I don't know if more crowns, I, I don't know if it's more uh, uh, you know jewels in the crown, I don't know if the jewels are bigger, I don't know if they're shinier or brighter, I don't know. But there is a crown, and uh, certainly Pastor Chaz, as you know, is working hard to make sure that every believer here can qualify for that crown uh, of soul winning. Hallelujah. Let's look at the last crown here, which is number five. Uh, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5, looking at verse 2 here. This is the crown of glory that is given to the faithful preachers, the pastors, and the elders, it says, who feed the flock of God faithfully. Uh, so let's look at that 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2. says, Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but as being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And so, you know, the Bible does talk about the elders and the, the elders uh, obtaining a good report. And so it's very possible that even if someone is not in a fivefold position uh, but stands in that place of a leader and does that well and is accountable, they might uh, also qualify for that crown. Hallelujah. So we see the conclusion here of the judgment seat. Uh, that's really the primary things that we see here. Uh, knowing, akin uh, that everybody, uh, is, it's not about you being judged if, if you're a good person. It's about you being judged on your works for the kingdom. And it's not just pertaining to what you do in church. Although we know in the assembly we serve God as we serve one another. But it's really how you do kingdom life everywhere. It's how do you do kingdom life at home. How do you do kingdom life? At work. All of those things matter. Hallelujah. And so we know that we're all looking in this category for the uh, well done, good and faithful servant. Praise the Lord. And so just as a reminder that you know, our faithfulness, uh, the kingdom work that we do, we will be rewarded for it. Uh, even the small things the Lord says that when, when we we're faithful in the small things He will make us ruler over much. And so we know that in the coming days when we come back in the millennial time and we're going to rule and reign with Christ, uh, much of our reward, much of our position, our assignments, and the things that are going on are based on what happened at the judgment seat of Christ. Hallelujah. So we're all going to be diligent. We're all going to be found faithful and get our work done and stand before the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's turn over to number seven, Moving on to something also that we see here during this seven years that the saints are in heaven, which is the marriage and the supper of the Lamb. Yes. Turn with me to Luke chapter 22. This is a very clear event in the Scriptures. Let's look at what Luke 22:16 16 through 18 says. Jesus speaking here. He says, Now, for I say to you that I will no longer eat of it. Now, this is when Jesus established what we call the Lord's Supper or the Lord's Table, which we know as believers that we partake of. And the Bible says that we're to do uh, it in remembrance of the Lord until He returns. And so the Lord had instituted that supper at this time, uh, that communion table, whereby we would remember what the Lord has done for us. And He says, For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves for I say to you that I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And so what we see here is that the memorial supper or the communion table, the Lord's Supper that we have here in the earth, will give way to a marriage feast, hallelujah, in heaven. Now I do believe that this is the one event that we can kind of put a time frame on. I believe that this is going to be the last event that is going to happen in heaven. And the reason that I believe that is for number one, it says that all of the first resurrection must partake of the marriage and supper of the Lamb. So we have to wait until the 144,000 Jews that are saved uh, until they're raptured up at mid-tribulation. We have to wait till all the tribulation martyrs are saved and raptured up to heaven. Then also, if you study out the Hebrew tradition of the wedding and the feast and the things that happened, uh, the wedding always gave way at the end to a big uh, feast, a big supper that they had. And the supper was always at the very end of the marriage. And so this is actually the time in heaven when all of the saints, the first resurrection saints, are going to be in heaven and we're going to be married to the Lord as the bride of Christ. Hallelujah. Now, when I say the bride of Christ, I'm not just talking about heaven in a place, but I'm talking about everything that pertains to heaven, the heavenly place, everything that's in heaven, as well as all of the people that are there. Hallelujah. Let's read also Revelation 19, verse 7 through 9. says, let us be glad and rejoice and give Him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and His wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And then He said to me, write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And He said to me, these are the true sayings of God. Hallelujah. So there is going to be a time uh, when we're going to... uh, be married to the Lord and at that time be called the Bride of Christ. This will be again, as I said, what's really called the New Jerusalem or the Holy City, which is not just a place, but it's all of those who live in it. Hallelujah. And I want you to point out here that because in the marriage supper, uh, it's, it's apparent that everybody is in heaven at that, at that time. So there must be some short, at least some short, Period of time in the earth when there is no one in the earth who knows God and who knows the Lord. I don't know how long that will be. I don't know how long the supper will last. Uh, but it's very apparent from the scriptures that that will be the case. Praise God. Also, now let's look at number eight here and things that are going on in heaven while we're there for the seven years. Uh, is there will be preparation we as the saints will be preparing uh, for the second advent or the second coming of the Lord and the one-day battle of Armageddon and then the what will be the establishment of an eternal government in the earth. Hallelujah. So let's turn to... Let's see. Let's turn to... I'm not going to read much about this. I'm going to give you some scriptures that you can make note of. Uh, Revelation 19, 11 through 21. Revelation 21 through 10... Zechariah 14, uh, verse 5b, and also verse 9. And then let's turn over to Revelation 1, 6. Uh, the reason I'm not going to talk about much about this is that as we move on here, we're actually going to talk tonight about the second coming and about the battle of Armageddon. And so I don't need to really talk about that. But you have to understand that even though we are, uh, we are... One thing that never changes in heaven is God's original intent that the Holy Spirit would live in us. You know, when God breathed the breath of life into man, He breathed the Spirit of God into man. Hallelujah. And so we will still have the Holy Spirit uh, living within us and upon us. But it does seem, just according to scriptures, that in heaven uh, people have presented it like we get in heaven and just we know all things. It doesn't seem that the scriptures really prove that out. Because it seems to be that there's learning and there's things that are going on in heaven. So preparing for the battle, preparing for the return of the Lord, it seems that there will be some preparation of us. You know, maybe it's, a, it's knowing where your assignment is, what you're to do. Of course, we are all made perfect in, in mind and in spirit so I'm sure that we will learn quickly and we will all be able to adjust and get in line and do what's necessary uh, but it is apparent I look at even when Jesus came into the earth um, he His spirit was perfect He never sinned He was in perfect union with God uh, but yet it, the Bible says that He still grew in wisdom and so I believe that in heaven there are things that we're going to be learning and preparing for and it appears that that is one is the battle of Armageddon and then the establishment uh, of really what's going to happen when God's government is now in the earth hallelujah but this is a, a glorious time we've recognized now that we are gods and we are even more like God hallelujah than ever before and a God's aim is to have his original purpose you know when God created Adam and Eve when he created the earth and put man in it he had an original intent It was not that man lived in heaven with him. It was that his people who were in union with him would rule and reign in the earth. Hallelujah. And so God is working to get back to his original intent. And at this point we will be his people and we will be the ones coming back with Jesus in the earth to rule and to reign. So we're going to move into talking about uh, here on the timeline. Now we're going to Come out of the seven years of heaven, and that point that says the second coming of Christ, and you see there on the bottom where it talks about Armageddon. Uh, So let's go ahead and get ready for that. If you do want to study out things that are going on in the earth and the tribulation, uh, you can read about that in Revelation chapter 6 through uh, chapters 18. But praise the Lord. The second advent, Jesus is coming, and now He's coming back with His army. He's coming back to the earth. Uh, This is actually going to take place. The the one-day battle is associated with the return of the Lord. It's called the Battle of Armageddon. It's going to be in the west of Jordan, in the northern part of the plains of Jezreel, uh, Megiddo. And uh, this is what's going to happen is that Christ is going to come back in the clouds. Hallelujah. Just like we saw He departed in Acts chapter 1, verse 11. He departed uh, from the Mount of Olives. He departed and went up in the clouds. And the Bible says here that He is going to return uh, to the planet Earth. He is going to touch His foot on the Mount of Olives. And He's coming with all of the angels, all of the resurrected saints, to take over the governments hallelujah, of this world and to reign eternally. We are going to fix everything. Every injustice, everything that's wrong, everything that doesn't work right, everything that's perverted, hallelujah, It's going to be brought into line with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Glory to God. And it is going to be a glorious time. Now the Bible says in Revelation chapter 1, verse 7, It says that the Bible says when Jesus comes that every eye will see Him. Okay? Now, we don't really know how that's going to work. There's different views on that. Some people believe that it's going to be a supernatural event where somehow everyone all over the world uh, is able to see Jesus return uh, from the clouds. Some people believe that it's not, that because He's coming and going to touch His foot in the Mount of Olives, they believe that only people in a certain region will actually see Him as He returns. But what we know that today is because of technology, you know, 50 years ago, you would have had to say, it will have to be a supernatural event because technology wouldn't have allowed for anything other than that. But today we do know that with technology, it is possible that someone in that region, when it happens, pulls out their camera, pulls out their phone and begins to video, and then it goes viral all over the world. For the whole world to see. Glory to God. We don't know how it's going to happen, but we know this. Of course, we're already with Him. But anybody that's in the earth, it won't be missed. Because He is coming. Praise the Lord. And Jesus is going to make sure that all see Him. So the second coming is associated with the one-day battle called Armageddon. So let me tell you what is going on or what has gone on just briefly in the earth so that you know kind of the status of where the earth is. Uh, During those seven years that we were in heaven, uh, the first three years of the tribulation, there was a false peace in the earth and the Antichrist was rising to power... Uh, He comes on the scene as a a peaceful man and one that's going to bring peace to Israel and peace to the world, which we know is a false peace. And then uh, basically after the three and a half years, uh, he begins to reveal himself. And uh, chaos breaks out and the wrath of God comes and God sends all the seals in the earth to be opened and it's great destruction. Uh, So at this point, the Antichrist has risen to power. He has now ruled for three and a half years. You can see that in Revelation 13 verse 5. And he has a king, a ten kingdom empire. He has brought the requirement of the mark of the beast. He has now captured Palestine, a portion of Israel, and he has occupied the temple uh, where he stands and basically blasphemes God. Um, I want you to know that he does capture Jerusalem and takes uh, a part of the part of Jerusalem and, he, and he, the temple, but he is never allowed to destroy all of Israel. We need to know that and understand that. Uh, but the Antichrist has deceived, And he has captured many countries at the north and the east of his empire and he leads them all against Israel at what's called the Battle of Armageddon. Okay, you can read about that in Ezekiel 38 verses 14 through 15. Daniel chapter 11 verse 44 uh, and then there's more in Ezekiel chapter 39 for more specifics. I'm going to give you a few of the specifics tonight. Uh, But remember, we're capturing this from our side, uh, so what's happening with us? Uh, But note that uh, I want to point out to you where Israel's place is in this because when the church was raptured, there there was a shift that took place in the earth. In order for the Antichrist to be able to rise and uh, Daniel's 70th week to be able to be fulfilled, uh, there was a shift in the earth, and the shift was that the emphasis now becomes back upon the nations and primarily Israel. Okay, Now the devil hates Israel because it is the chosen land where God chose to bring forth His people and eventually the Messiah. And so the, dev- the devil's ultimate goal has always been, and that's why you see fighting still today, the devil's goal has always been to destroy Israel. And so his goal is to rise to power and take nations that will join with him uh, in this fight so that they can utterly destroy Israel. And so what you will see in the seven years when we're all in heaven having a wonderful time is that there will be nations against nations that will begin positioning themselves for the battle that is to come. Some will be for Israel and some will be against Israel. Now when the Lord comes and the battle begins, the participants are this. It is the Lord Jesus Christ plus the heavenly army, which would be all of the angels of God and all of the saints of God. We will be in the army. We will come as the army of the Lord. We will be soldiers. And that's why many times there are scriptures in the Bible right now that's referring to you as a soldier. Okay? Because remember this earth life is what? Earth life is part preparation for what is to come in the days ahead. All right? So we come and then plus there will be earthly Israel. So all of the national leaders and the national army of Israel are going to join together against Satan, all of the demons, and the earthly armies that are under the rule of the Antichrist. Okay? And Satan's purpose here is to stop Christ from taking possession of the earth. And averting his own doom. All right? Now, so we're going to talk about the battle of Armageddon tonight. And I need you to understand from the get-go. I need you to understand God's view in the battle of, the Arm- of Armageddon. Because God is going to have to bring judgment. God is a just God. And things do eventually have to be avenged. When there is no blood or there has been the blood of Jesus that has been shed and has been rejected. There comes the day when the settlement will occur. And so after much space to repent, many, many, many years and many opportunities, this is the time that the Lord is going to have to bring the judgment into the earth. And so when I read this, when I, when I see the battle of Armageddon, because we get into it, I just want to tell you it's going to be very graphic and it is a battle and it is bloody and there's a lot of death and there's a lot of destruction but you have to you have to view this from the place of righteousness we are now right and we know that God has given opportunity okay And these are people that have rejected God, they have rebelled against God, they have come under the sway of the the Antichrist. And so when I read this, I always am thinking, this is a reminder to me of the absolute victory of Christ over the devil. When he went down into the depths of hell, we don't really understand sometimes the, the absolute victory, the absolute to what he utterly destroyed there when he rose up again. And so when we're reading this, we have to understand that now what Christ did in the depths of hell and what has been a spiritual thing will now be brought forth in the earth for all to see. Hallelujah. And so we will fight in the battle of Armageddon, but for us it will be a swift fight. For us it will be an easy fight. Uh, I like to think of it as like in the Old Testament when you saw uh, there are many accounts where the angels of the Lord would be fighting and with one swipe, with one swing of the sword, thousands upon thousands would be slain. That's what it will be like. Okay? All right. So turn with me over to... Let's look at a few scriptures about Jesus returning. Matthew 24, verse 27 through 31. While you're turning there, let me say this. Uh, we do know that there is, there is an event in the Bible where all of Israel shall be saved, and we'll cover that next week so that you can see where that, because it is associated with the, the Battle of Armageddon, and so you'll see how that works out. Matthew chapter 24, verse 27, Jesus speaking. He says, "For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will be the coming, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be." For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give his light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory." And He will send His angels with a great shout of a trumpet and they will gather together His elect from the four winds and from one end of earth to the other. Now you'll just have to remember that that ties to the all of Israel shall be saved. We'll talk about that next week. But this is just a setup seeing here that the Lord is coming. Uh, Know here that the reference of the eagles, if you study that out in the Scriptures, it always specifically ties to the second coming. Uh, Note here uh, in verse 31 that this is a different trumpet. This is not the trumpet of the rapture. This is not the trumpet of any of the seals. This is actually the trumpet for the second coming of the Lord. But the Lord will come, as it says here, uh, in great glory to demonstrate His power and His might in the earth. Okay, turn to Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. just want you to see about the every eye will see Him and that this is a world event. Behold, He is coming with clouds, and every eye will see Him, even they who pierced Him. That means the Jews, they are the ones who pierced Christ. And all of the tribes of the earth will mourn because of Him. Even so, amen. Okay, turn with me over to Jude. We know Jude does not have chapters, so it's Jude 14 and 15. Or if you're in an electronic device, I think they put a Jude 1, and then it would be verses 14 and 15. We're just going to begin to talk here about some of the things that are going to happen as the Lord is returning. Jude 14 and 15. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes, look at this, with ten thousands of His saints. Glory to God. He is coming on a white horse and we are riding with Him. Praise God. It says, to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against Him. And so there is coming a day of reckoning. Hallelujah. And the Lord is merciful. Yes, the Lord is merciful. And that's why He's given great space To repent. Great time to repent. But again, because of the the value and the honor that is in the blood of Jesus, there must come the time when judgment comes for those who have rejected Christ. So this is the righteousness of God. It's a reckoning as God Himself is just and must vindicate Himself He must vindicate His kingdom, and He must vindicate all of His people. Hallelujah. Turn with me over to Revelation 16, verses 13 through 16. Now this is going to describe the work of the Antichrist in order to have the nations and the people follow Him. He, uh, he, of course, the Antichrist is under direct sub- subjection and really rule and power of the devil himself. And so he performs a very supernatural acts, very uh, great feats, it says. Even at some point, the Antichrist himself is killed and resurrects himself from the dead. So let's look at this, how he deceives the nations. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather to them the battle of that great day of God Almighty." Behold, I am coming as a thief, blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest least when he walk naked and they see his shame. And they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. And so we see again that the, the uh, Antichrist is going to be the deceiver and he is working to bring nations uh, in conjunction with him to battle against Israel and pretty much the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, now what, what we know here... You know, we read this kind of thing and we think surely when, you know, when the Antichrist stands in the temple and all these crazy things start going on and the chaos and the whatever, why would people want to join with that? But we have to understand, you know, as Christians, uh, because we have the Spirit of God in us, we are able to properly discern. We are called people of discernment. A discernment is not a special gift. Every, every believer is supposed to have discernment, whereby we discern good from bad, whereby we discern a God from evil. Okay, But in the earth at this point, there are many that are without Christ. They do not have Christ. They do not have the Spirit of the Lord. And so they're not able to really discern. And so that's why the Antichrist working under the rule of the devil, who is the great deceiver of all time, is able to deceive people. Okay, and so he's doing all kinds of things that make him look like he uh, is ruling, and like you know, really like he is God. Is, is how he's making it uh, appear uh, to people. So we have to understand that that's how this is working. Amen. Okay, let's. Uh, one analogy I always give to people is that as a Christian, if if someone was to come up to you and, and say to you, uh, you know, the spirit of the devil is in me and I'm going to stretch forth my hand and I want you to take my hand so that I can utterly destroy you. People would not do that. They would say, no way. No way, I'm not going to take your hand. I see what's happening. But the deception is the opposite of that. Deception clothes itself as something good, and it comes as something that's powerful, something that's enticing, and it, and it extends the hands to say, I'm offering you something. And it's, it's drenched on the backside of destruction and death and everything that is not God, but it's a deception. And so that's why a, nation's, a whole nations are deceived and people themselves are deceived to come uh, basically and, and line up here with the devil. All right, turn with me over to Zechariah chapter 14. When I think about that, I always think that that's group that says that uh, for a lack of knowledge that people perish. And this will certainly be the case. Zechariah chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. It says, Now behold, the day of the Lord is coming, and your spoil will be divided in your midst, for I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. The cities shall be taken, the horses rifled, The women ravished, half of the city shall go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations, and as He fights in the day of the battle. And in that day His feet will stand upon the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two. Now make note of that. We're going to talk about that here in just a minute. From east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north, and half of it shall move toward the south. Wow, what a sign. Then you shall flee through my mountain valley, for the mountain a valley shall reach to Azal. Yes, you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, the king of Judah. Thus the Lord my God will come and all the saints with you. And it shall come to pass in that day that there will be no light, the lights will diminish. It shall be one day which is known to the Lord, neither day nor night, but at evening time it shall happen that it will be light. Uh, Go on to read uh, Zechariah 14 verses 12 through 13. 12 through 13. And this shall be the plague with which the Lord will strike all the people who fight against Jerusalem. So the judgment here is that if you, si- if you get on the wrong side of this, you're executed. It says, look at this. Their flesh shall dissolve while they stand on their feet. Their eyes shall dissolve in their sockets, and their tongues shall dissolve in their mouths. It shall come to pass in that day that a great panic from the Lord will be among them. Everyone will seize the hand of his neighbor and raise his hand toward his neighbor's hand. It's just total chaos and everybody just begins fighting everybody. And then in verse 15 it says, uh, Such also shall be the plague on the horse and the mule, on the camel and the donkey, and on all the cattle that will be in those camps, so shall this plague be. I mean this is really, this is really supernatural stuff. Uh, that gets involved here uh, in, the, in the midst of this. Uh, let's go on to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Now again, remember as we're reading this, we're remembering uh, that this is showing the might and the power of our Lord and that He has to bring judgment. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 7. And to you who are troubled with rest when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's kind of interesting that there's a distinction there. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power when He comes in that day to be glorified in His saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 19. I notice there's no shouting going on. But remember, when we are reading this again, This is is the strength and the power and the glory of our God against the evil one. Which He has already demonstrated when He went down to hell and defeated Him, made a public spectacle of Him, and rose up victorious on the third day. Hallelujah. Revelation 19 verse 11. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the Word of God. Now listen to this. And the armies in the heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth comes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on a thigh a name written... King of kings and Lord of lords. And then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both great and small. And I saw the beasts, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. These These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. Glory to God! And the rest were killed with the sword, which proceeded from the mouth of God, who sat upon the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. Hallelujah. This is the Word of God that defeats the devil. And I want you to know the Word of God out of your mouth today is still like a two-edged sword, and it will take authority, and it will bring you victory in the earth to now. It is a spiritual kingdom, but we are still ruling. Yes. Yes. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 This is a visible, this is a visible picture in the earth of how we are ruling spiritually right now. And again, we need to understand that at the Battle of Armageddon, we win. We win from beginning to end. We win very swiftly. And we need to carry that attitude with us right now that we are winners. Hallelujah. No devil can stand against us. No devil can prevail against the church of the living God. It's time that the church get an attitude. Come on. Of course, we love people, and our attitude is not right now against people. But our attitude is against the devil and evil. Hallelujah. Now, in this battle, I want to look at something real quick. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's just go on and read Revelation 17:14. Revelation 17:14 These will make war with the lamb and the lamb will overcome them for he is the Lord of lords and the king of kings and those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. Hallelujah. Come on, we fight with him. Glory to God. Now in this battle, I just want to point this out from Ezekiel 39 Verse 2, you need to understand that one sixth of the earthly armies, only one sixth of the earthly armies throughout the whole earth will remain after the battle. So the earth is, as we know it is, is going to be very different. So that's, it, it says here that the blood rises so high and stretches for many miles, and it takes seven months to remove all of the dead bodies. Hallelujah. But we see that the antichrist or the beast and the false prophet are going to be cast into the lake of fire. Let's read on in, in Revelation 20 verse 1. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan. And he bound him for a thousand years and he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up. He shut him up. I want you to know in the end, the devil is shut up. And I believe, listen, listen, this is preparation, you remember. This is preparation for what is to come. This earth life, this spiritual kingdom we're ruling, this preparation for what is to come, we need to shut the devil up. Amen. Come on, don't let the devil be talking in your ear. Come on, don't let the devil be messing with you. You need to use your discerner. You need to say, that's not God, that's not my flesh, that's the devil, and you better shut up. Amen. It's time that the church stop buying into the devil's lies. Amen. Let the devil, yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, rise up with the Word of God. Praise the Lord. Verse 3, I want to read that part again. I want to read it again. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should not deceive the nations no more until the seven years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. So let's remember that the Antichrist, the beast, the false prophet, and the devil himself are cast into the lake of fire. The devil is bound, chained for a thousand years. Now the battle is over. Glory to God. And we have won. Hallelujah. We have won. And I love that. Just I want you to look back here and just see what we're called. We who are with him are called. You're already called. Come on, you're called to bear his name right now. Come on, you're called to rule and reign spiritually right now. We're chosen. Hallelujah. We are the chosen of the Lord and faithful. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So next week we're going to go into now the battle is done and now we move into the thousand year, the millennial reign of Christ, uh, the millennium time where, where the thousand years and it's, it's going to be really interesting to talk about who crosses over. There are people still living. Who's going to be able to cross over into the millennium? Not everybody that's living will be allowed to go in. Uh, So it's going to be a very interesting conversation. But I want to back up for just one moment and talk about a couple of things uh, that came out back when we were uh, reading Ezekiel chapter 14, I think it was, in verse 4 where it said when Jesus, remember when He steps on the Mount of Olives, that that, that the mountain is going to split. Okay? And so, what a sign. Here are, you know, the Antichrist and the false prophet and them been doing all kinds of stuff in the earth. But what a sign, praise the Lord, when the earth actually changes. And so, I want to talk about that uh, in Isaiah chapter 35. So, we know what's coming uh, in this uh, millennial reign where there's going to be just great changes in the earth. I believe that this happens uh, when the Lord steps his foot down. And so uh, Isaiah 35 verse 1 and 2 and says the wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as as the rose and it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing and so there's going to be uh, all kinds of things that are going to take place in the earth as soon as the battle is finished. Uh, Isaiah 35 verse 6 says, For the water shall burst forth, in the wilderness, and the streams, and the deserts, and the parched ground shall become like a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water. Uh, so there's all kinds of things. Uh, what I want you to know here, let's see. Uh, Revelation 16, you don't have to turn there, but Revelation 16 verse 20 says, uh, then every island fled away and the mountains were not found. And so we see that there's going to be uh, some changes uh, in the earth I mean, this is going to be such a sign. There's going to be no denying uh, who Jesus is, that he is the Christ, and really who he is. Uh, But I just want to point out uh, something kind of interesting uh, that you might want to study on your own time is that it seems uh, in days prior, uh, there was one time that there was a previous change in the earth, uh, prior to really when, when all of the earth was in one piece. Uh, and we can read about, you can read about that in 1 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 19. Uh, but I want to read about it here in Genesis chapter 10, verse 25. It says, To Eber were born two sons. Uh, the name of one was Peleg, for in his days the earth divided. And his brother's name was uh Jopton. But it seems that back in the original day, the earth was all together, and then there came an event, something happened, and the earth split. So this is not going to be the first time uh, that this has happened. Uh, but also, you know, it's, uh, we can see from the Scripture uh, that it's possible that there was also something uh, that happened in the earth drastically. Uh, between Genesis 1-1, uh, remember when the earth was void and, and dark and, and things were happening, and then... Uh, The Lord spoke and the light came and it really was the glory of God that came uh, and lit up the earth because that was prior to uh, the sun and the moon being established. And so it was the glory of God that lit the earth originally. Um, But I just want to talk about that for a minute. Um, There are four views as to what happened uh, between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. And so I'm going to tell you what the four theories are. And you can study this out sometime if you want it. Uh, The four theories of creation, uh, they're called. Uh, One is called the gap theory or the creation gap uh, between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. And it represents that there was a gap of time and really an unknown gap of time. It doesn't say how long the gap of time uh, was. uh, But things happening in Genesis 1 versus in Genesis 2... And then uh, the second theory is called the 24-hour day theory. And so some people believe that there was only a 24-hour time frame between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. And then the problem problem with that theory, in my opinion, this is my opinion, um, is that there's a lot of testing of the earth and the age of the earth and it just seems that the Earth age is, is older than what... We would see from Genesis one two, so that's something to consider there. The third is called uh, the day, and it was where basically uh, uh, it just progressed, and the days were like the days weren't twenty four hour period, and they just lengthened. And then of course number four is Darwin's theory, which we know is a lie uh, and does not have any biblical basis at all, so we can totally uh, reject that. But you might study that out sometime. Um, if you want to know where Pastor Chaz and I fall out, we're gap theorists. Uh, we believe that there was a big gap between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, and I believe that it can explain. It takes uh, uh, an, it makes room for an explanation of the ice age and uh, the dinosaurs. I mean, we do have dinosaur bones, and so we have to account for dinosaurs somehow. Uh, and that it was highly probable that people like weren't living, uh, you know, in that time frame, and so. That's kind of where we fall out. But anyway, it's just kind of an interesting little note there uh, that you can study out at your leisure. Praise the Lord, all the different theories. But what we know now is that we, the called, the chosen, and the faithful, the resurrected saints of God, we know now that it's time as God's people uh, to come into the earth and we are now going to rule and reign. We are going to bring our God's spiritual kingdom into the earth. Hallelujah. And we are going to rule and reign in righteousness. We are going to have total control of everything. We're going to have control of all the airways and all the things that are going on. And we will be ruling and reigning all of the people uh, that are not resurrected saints uh, that will be living out in the earth and they will have to get right or they will uh, experience a judgment, and execution. So uh, we'll talk about some of that next week. Praise the Lord. But I think we finished. We've now come through. Jesus has come back to the earth. We've been through the battle. We've won. And we are ready to take over ruling and reigning and righteousness. And uh, what a glorious time it will be. And then, of course, talking about the changes that are coming in the earth, the last change that we will see in the earth uh, physically will be the new heaven and the new earth uh, that will come uh, shortly after the thousand-year reign and again heaven will change and earth will change and it will all be wonderful, praise the Lord. Thank you for joining Pastors Chaz and Joni today from Houston Faith Church. If you're looking for a good home church in Houston, Texas, we'd like to invite you to be our guest anytime. What you'll find is that Houston Faith Church is highly committed to the Word of God, the love of God and the spirit-filled life and ministry that Jesus expects. We know that everyone wants to make a difference in this life, and that the Great Commission of the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing for all of us. You'll find your purpose here and grow strong in faith at Houston Faith Church. Find more faith-building resources on our YouTube channel or subscribe to our free audio podcast. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.